This is The Table Business, a Sounds Like Adventure podcast all about people doing great work in the tabletop world. On this show, we're going to speak to the independent creators who make the games that you and I love. I'm your host and the DM of Sounds Like Adventure, Jack Trainer. Hey, it's episode seven of The Table Business. It's me, your mate, Jack. How you going? Thanks for joining us today, and I'm so glad you have, because we got a bag on. Today we're joined by my new best friend and podcast extraordinaire, Alejandra from Table Talk. Now, Table Talk is a podcast that's about a little bit of everything in the tabletop world, and it's not an actual play podcast. How about that? That's pretty cool. Table Talk is hosted by Alejandra and Mariah, and if you haven't heard it yet, I really recommend you check it out. It's just a great moment to get brought in on some really fun conversations. You get to feel like you're a fly on the wall for a chat with some really great friends. So in today's episode, we're joined by Alejandra and we talk about a whole bunch of great things. We hear all about how this podcast got started. We hear about their plans for the future. And you might remember from last episode, we spoke to Boss Jellybean. And Boss Jellybean has this really cool Women of Threads actual play campaign coming up very soon. And guess who's in it? Alejandra's going to tell us all about her character who sounds so cool. All right. Well... Let's get into it. Alejandra, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me. So you are one of the two hosts of the podcast Table Talk, and I want to dive into that really soon. But let's start out with you. Who is Alejandra? Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I am. I am one half of Table Talk. I've been a player for about five years now, um, and I actually recently started uh, GMing this year. So I'm, a, I'm literally coming up on a year of, of being a, D, a DM GM. And then six months ago, we started uh, the Table Talk podcast. In general, I'm a Latinx uh, queer woman. I was born in Venezuela. I've always been extremely creative. Uh, I'm a digital artist. Um, and when I found TTRPGs, I've always been in love with high fantasy video games like Dragon Age and Mass Effect. And when I fell into the hobby, I fell hard um, and it became 90% of my personality. And so now I'm running a podcast with my best friend about it. And like we've started a company and it's it's a whole thing now. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's been a time. But yeah, that's uh, a little bit about me. Do you know anyone, by the way, who has been able to get into this hobby and not get in super hard like that? Because that's what happened to me. Absolutely not. <laughs> I think it's impossible. <laughs> Let's talk about your origin story into the tabletop world. What was your first game? How did it all start for you? It was back in community college. So like freshly graduated high school. One of my really good friends um, was telling me about Dungeons and Dragons. I'd always heard about Dungeons and Dragons. This was back in like 2014, 2015. Um, and I had never really, I had no idea how you play. Um, but I told him if he wanted to get something together, I'd be willing to try it. Uh, so he bought a bunch of books and he was ready to go. And it was me and two other of his male friends. And I remember being so nervous because I did some preliminary research. I did not fall into like a critical role or dimension 20. It was literally just a superficial Google search of how do you play Dungeons and Dragons? And when I realized I was like, oh, I have to act and like role play out things uh, I was very, very nervous. Um, so when we went, I bought two bottles of wine, but I drank 
one bottle before we had even started. And then the other bottle just sat next to me as I played. Um, and that helped me kind of, you know, not feel super in my head about the role play. And I made a character. She was like a tiefling rogue, as any good bisexual woman would um, <laughs> do. Uh, and I think she had a little, uh, kind of like a familiar, even though I didn't realize that familiars are supposed to only be for spellcasters. He was very much like, I'll let you do whatever you want. Um, so I had a little owl familiar. His name was Cosmo. Let's talk about the podcast. Tell me about Table Talk. Yeah. Um Table Talk got started because, I mean, like any good little duo of best friends, me and Mariah would look at each other and be like, you know, we're we're hilarious <laughs> with the full ego of that. Because And we can talk for hours on end and we wanted to, to start it. And when we were thinking about um, what we could possibly start it about, we decided why not like tabletop role-playing games because it's it's a hobby she and I are both obsessed with. Uh, and we can talk about endlessly. And it started just me and her. And then I had the thought of like, oh, we could bring on guests and stuff like that. And I think it started, um, the, the bringing on guests started when really it was kind of a serendipitous thing of when we decided to start was right around when Gen Con happened and threads became a thing. So there was a lot of attention on Gen Con and we pulled ourselves into threads because it was a brand new social media. So that we just started connecting with a lot of different creators um, and I started bringing them on as guests. And uh, it's kind of just become a very casual, it's been described as like a cozy sit down with your best friends, hyper fixation chat um, <laughs> as you do about the thing we all love, which is CTRBGs. And we pretty much cover everything in the space, uh, both like on the table and off the table, things like the dynamics at the table. What's it like to play at like a feminine dominated table versus a masculine dominated mm. table and the mixes in between. It's just been an evolving thing that's gotten pretty good traction. And I'm really grateful for all the people that have liked what we're doing. There's so many actual play podcasts out there. How come you decided to make a show that wasn't an actual play podcast? So the reason I decided to make a show that's not an actual play, one, I don't have the uh, bandwidth at the moment, nor all the tech to do an actual play. We do have plans for an actual play down the road. Um, once maybe hopefully this podcast starts earning us a little bit of revenue and we can justify investing in it that way. Uh, but another element is I'm, I'm a marketing uh, manager in my day job. And as well as like social media stuff and, um, you know, differentiating yourself in the market is a big deal. So there, like you said, there are a lot of actual play um, podcasts out there. But in doing some preliminary research there at the time, there wasn't a lot that I could find that was what we do in the sense of it's just a casual conversation and maybe interviewing and having conversations with other creators and providing exposure for independent games and things like that, there was, it wasn't as saturated. So I decided that would be a format that was easier for us to pull off in the beginning because then it's, it's very low equipment requirements. Um, and at the time we're not, we don't ha even have visual yet, uh, although we're working on it. So at the start, it's low equipment. It's different than other stuff that's going on. And we just kind of place ourselves 
right as far as the other things that were kind of popping off at the time, like Threads and Gen Con and other things. And uh, we brought Johnny on, who Talking XB, who had just been to Gen Con, and we thankfully connected with him. And so that I think we we kind of propelled ourselves well in the beginning. But that was mostly the decision was like it would be easier for me and her as full-time working <laughs> marketing people um, to pull off and be able to know that we're kind of be able to do it well. And then down the road, we could eventually do an AP. But for the start, it's it's this. And I spoke to Boss Jellybean the other day, and I do believe there might be some actual play stuff for you on the horizon kind of soon. So I want to talk about that quickly. But before we do, when you look back over your time hosting Table Talk so far, what's your favorite story? Yeah, um, we just got back from PAX uh, and PAX Unplugged in Philadelphia, um, which was super, again, last minute as a whim, um, we decided to go and to just, we had zero expectations. We wanted to go, just Mariah's never been to a con. I've never been to like a tabletop con. I've been to, you know, Anime Expo and Comic Con and other things way back in the day, but um, we went with zero expectations and we ended up meeting so many huge people in the industry. The fact that a lot of those people, like people that I've followed on TikTok for ages, I have a personal TikTok that kind of sort of blew up for a bit. Um, so there's people that I have been mutuals with forever and seeing them and knowing that they not only know me, but know table talk and know what we're doing and having those interactions with people and being like, we've only been doing this six months. I was not expecting anybody to know who we were. But I think my favorite part of that whole weekend was um, I connected with uh, this guy, Zach, uh, and he and I had been mutuals for a while at my time, like doing Raina content and stuff. And it, it was funny when we met up, he's like, it is just now occurring to me that you are the same person as all of that. And I'm like, yeah. Um, and he let me know that um, he listened to our Toxic Tables episode twice and then had a, like a long like introspection moment and then brought it to some of his players' attention and they made the decision to end that campaign because of certain people that were there that were making it not an enjoyable experience. And he's like, I just wanted to thank you for that because it it took you putting that into words for us to realize that we were in a not great situation and that it wasn't something we needed to continue. Um, and now they're in a whole new campaign with just the people that they enjoy and that was really heartwarming because like, I know what that feels like. And it was one of the roughest parts <laughs> of my like past couple of years. And it was really touching to, to know that like, it's, it does help people. It does put that into perspective and get them out of situations that maybe aren't super great. Extremely powerful. And that's an episode that the, anyone listening right now could go and check out. A hundred percent. Yeah. Toxic tables and how to leave them. <laughs> <laughs> great title. Um, so now uh, we've touched on it just before. So yeah, uh, Boss Jelly Bean was on the show uh, and she mentioned uh, that she's got this uh, Women of Threads stream coming along. And I happened to hear some familiar names when she ran through uh, the people who would be appearing, two of whom being yourself and Mariah. Um, so talk to me about it. This sounds super exciting. 
Bostelli Bean and, and uh, I connected again through Threads. Uh, I feel like Threads is an incredible place. If people are not on there, especially for TTRPG, please do. It's such an incredibly like positive um, space and they're very protective of it. So as soon as toxic people start coming in from Twitter, they are ousted with <laughs> speed. Um, but yeah, we connected on there and she asked if I, if we, if we joined games and I said, yeah, like just DM me. And, but yeah, it's a really cool concept of, uh, she's going to be GMing two separate parties that are working towards the same goal or like against the same BBEG. Um, one team is going through the Wilds, and the other team is going through the Shadowfell and it's all like women and, que- and non-binary and queer folk in the, in the threads community. And can you give us like a little teaser about the character? Sure. Um, she's actually a character that I originally was going to play in a, like a, a campaign um, that was going to be on Roll20, but amongst my friends here. Um, her name is Nefera, and she is a Hexblood Spores Druid, and she's very much like directly scooped from the Feywilds. Um, she's got a hag for a mom, um, so she's got a really twisted understanding <laughs> of like familiar relationships and like what social norms are. Um, she's got a little bag of holding that I call like her snack bag of holding. And her mom will just send her like really messed up snacks, uh, through there and like little notes and things. Um, but yeah, I really, really love her. I love playing her cause it's, it's very, she's a little bit twisted and uh, like doesn't quite understand how normal people operate. I actually did like a whole revamping of her aesthetic because originally she was very like dark, gothy, creepy, whatever, but um, Boss Jelly Beans Feywild is very neon and vibrant. Um, so now I've kind of revamped her to still a little bit of like alternative vibes, but like the whole under part of her hair is bright neon green um, and like purples and, and things like that. So she she looks like a very vibrant little fungus um, that is trying to warn you not to eat it because it'll poison you. So let's um, wrap things up for today. Um, So I have a couple of questions that I always ask at the end of every conversation. Um, So the first one, we talk to a lot of, as you do, independent content creators who create content for other people's games. And it's a little bit different being like a capital C content creator. I'm going to make entertainment for people to consume. So I want to ask from that perspective specifically, what's one thing that people don't realize about independent tabletop podcasters like yourself? I think one thing the large like quantity of the public might not understand is how much work goes into it on the back end. Um, it's definitely something that I never understood until I started doing it. And then I realized I'm like, oh, we're not even doing visuals. And it is a lot of work, not to mention, I have all the respect in the world for actual play and like live streamed and all the moving parts that go into that, um, as well as like the audio of multiple people and things like that. Like it takes so much work and it is a hundred percent a labor of love. Um, so showing support for the the content that you are consuming, that you are genuinely enjoying, if it's connecting with you, um, definitely show them like your support review their, their show and help push them. Um, because honestly, even one heartfelt review can mean the world to the person on the other end and validate so much of 
everything that they're doing. Because again, most of us are doing this with our free time and having to work our day jobs. So we're we're choosing to spend that time to provide something that's going to bring someone joy, hopefully, and getting that validation is really meaning, meaningful. Just to stay on this subject for, for a little bit longer before I go to the next recurring question, take me back to launch of the show. So yeah, by the time we launched Sounds Like Adventure, I'd launched something like 30 shows. So I was really familiar with the process. And I was talking to the guys on the show who had never launched a show before. And I'm like, okay, yeah, there's there's some expenses involved with hosting a podcast. And then being like, what do you mean? It's free to listen to a podcast. What expenses would be involved in it? So what was the biggest surprise for you when you started investigating everything that you would need to have set up for launch? We did a lot of research. Um, Thankfully, I mean, me and Mariah, both um, being corporate girlies, uh, wanted to launch it and start it properly. Um, And we maybe were only live for about a month before we got like our LLC and everything else squared away. But I think, yeah, the the biggest surprise comes in even when you do the bare minimum equipment to start, uh, it is probably more worth it to invest in those things that may be a little bit pricier, um, like better mics and things like that. But just the amount of, especially I think when it comes to the, the type of show that we are, like when it comes to having the equip, not only the equipment, but scheduling and software to properly have like those interviews and things like that, everything that goes into the social media marketing, uh, which I I do for my day job, but it's uh, different when it's for yourself and everything that goes into that uh, is can feel daunting, but it can be simplified. And sometimes it can even just be, even if you don't have the money to invest in the top tier stuff, you can at least get started um, with the bare minimum and keep going. It's it's definitely a little bit intimidating, um, but I I'm thankful that I had a partner to start with uh, because me and Mariah have gone halfsies on everything that we've invested so far. So that makes it a little bit easier um, and a little more accessible for us. And we've discussed every step of the way if something is worth the investment right now or is that something we're going to wait on. But yeah, definitely having somebody can be both beneficial, not just for the fact of the investment side of things, but also to keep going and being consistent because not a lot, like, I think I read somewhere at one point that most podcasts don't make it past like 21 episodes um, because people tend to quit and which is understandable. It's hard. And when you're not receiving the the feedback or uh, of the audience that you would want, it's hard to keep going. But just like with social media and producing the content, it's all consistency. But yeah, I think that probably is like the bigger things that kind of surprise us where how much really goes into it outside of just like recording on Audacity and having a microphone and having some headphones or something like that. Are you guys on are still on Audacity? Are we still editing on no. Audacity? No, 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 no. Okay, good. I was going to have to start a GoFundMe <laughs> campaign to get you guys on Audition or something because gosh, that software. We're very fortunate. And then... <laughs> The hosting platform is also really important. So we researched a lot into it before investing that money in because that was quite a bit of money for, for the hosting software. It's one of the biggest expenses of the the whole piece is just hosting your podcast. And it's just going to be a recurring expense for the entire life of the show. So second question, your first ever character in a tabletop game. Tell me about them. 
Cadence is probably one of my favorite characters I've ever played. That campaign was originally started as a kind of kinky Ravenloft campaign. So the the whole premise of it was that all of the Dreadlords were specifically designed for our specific proclivities. Um, (laughs) So we had like a couple of Dreadlords each. It was good in theory. It was execute. Well, no, the campaign was still good. The dynamics of people outside of it were not great. Top level good, at least. Nothing ever happened within campaign that made anyone uncomfortable. Um, we were very good about our lines and veils and making sure everybody was very comfortable with different scenes and, and things like that. We faded to black when appropriate. Sorry, my cats are trying to get up here because <laughs> they see you and they want to attack. Um, but yeah, it was a kinky Ravenloft campaign. And before we had decided it was going to be any element of kink there, um, I wanted to play this little Warforged bard. And she was going to be, uh, I, it was like a mix mash of different things I saw on TikTok. So one was like the EDM situation of a Warforged bard. And then the other was going to be um, some water genasi, like alternate lore stuff. And for the water genasi or the genasi in general was this, this person made a, a video basically dictating that the genasi were like two parts. So there is the elemental spirit that is inside of a humanoid vessel, essentially. And the character was the elemental spirit, not necessarily the vessel. And they could kind of detach from their vessel and come out into like a more elemental form, but then their vessel was left weak. And the whole concept that we kind of came up with was like, if the vessel ever took like damage or was downed while you were separated, then that elemental like spirit would go back to the plane that they originally came from. And they were created through Ronin fonts, which was essentially, think of like a storm meets uh, like the Northern Lights. Um, And so if there is a compatible vessel within range of that storm, the element connects and like basically takes over. We had a whole lore that it was one of the Dreadlords was this bard uh, and his lover was a water genasi who was also a bard. And they were kind of like legendary adventurers and they would come back and like sing of all their uh, like stories and they were very, very famous. But he kind of kept chasing the fame and she was more about the art and like sharing that with people. Um, And he kept taking more dangerous jobs and more dangerous jobs, eventually wanted to cut people out, have it just be him and her so that they could share more of the fame. And he eventually took on a job that was too dangerous. His life almost ended in that adventure and she chose to like go into her more elemental form to save him because she was more powerful that way but then the monster like damaged her vessel and she was separated and so he spent the rest of his life trying to find a way to get her soul back onto this plane ergo he became a dreadlord in like the pursuit of that power eventually he never found her because Uh, in the creation of this little Warforged bard who was the only one of her make because it was going to go to like a very fancy family in Eberron. In that process of creating Warforged, which is pretty ambiguous, we said that like her soul came down and became like what powers that Warforged. But because it's not a proper vessel, her spirit is not active. So it's just this little 
Warforged robot being powered by the Splatter Genasi spirit, but the actual character is dormant. And Cadence is just like a very like, doesn't know social cues, is just knows how to pre- play pretty music and is very like, an, very much an Alexa <laughs> <laughs> type deal. Um, and learning about the world as you go. Um, so I started her and she was a unique experience for me. And I've mentioned this on the podcast before where I've always played like really in your face characters, sometimes like a little bit sexual or flirtatious or promiscuous or things like that. And this was my first time that I was playing a character that I couldn't justify that those characteristics with. So it was interesting because it wasn't my comfort zone. And I, for a while, started getting like a little bit self-conscious because I felt like I was getting too in my head about playing her and as someone that had less emotions and finding that line of how to be active and participating and engaging, but be this like kind of emotionless robot situation. So I was getting in my head about it for a good while and I played it and eventually I asked him, I was like, hey, I don't know if I'm enjoying playing her as much anymore. And we had plans for eventually converting it to an Anima situation. But I was like, do you think we can do that sooner? And we kind of arranged it. And weirdly enough, when I made my peace with the fact that this character was going to die at, an, at a thematically appropriate moment, because um, we were still going to play a few more se- sessions before that happened, but he was building up to it. Weirdly enough, when I like had that peace with it, I got super into playing her. You found it. Yeah, I, I got into the zone and it clicked for me. She was one of the characters that the whole party like loved so much. So then when we did kill her off, <laughs> it was heart-wrenching um, for everyone involved. And he did it, I like he did it in a really brilliant way where months before he had pulled another player aside to as like one of the BBGs to barter like a, a deal. And then he cashed in that deal to make them the person that killed her. It happened in a way that was like meant to look like an accident. But when we all sat there and realized what happened, it was like complete utter betrayal. And then also the coolest thing. <laughs> <laughs> I got like one of the best scenes ever for her for her death. And then Anima like coming to a new vessel there on the ship that we were on. And I, I remember distinctly the description he gave of the storm and the colors and the music that we played during it made it so immersive. And then when I drove home that night, I drove through at sunset through a lightning storm. There was no rain and all of the clouds were pink and purple and blue. It was like one of the most beautiful and terrifying things I've ever been in. And coming straight off of that scene to that, and I was like playing the music in my car. I was like, oh, this is phenomenal. I'm flooded with serotonin (laughs) right now. (laughs) Amazing. But yeah, I love her and her character and her story. And it's like one of the saddest things to me that that campaign had to end. But um, we recently had a one shot that we kind of all surprised each other in the fact that we decided to play our Ravenloft characters. And Alyssa, who was GMing, had already pre-decided that an old version of her character would be there. And so at the end, it got like to be a really nice uh, closure moment for all those characters that we really missed. So Alejandra, I have a third recurring question, but you've just given me such an awesome answer that I'm just, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to tell it to you. I'm, I'm, I need a carrot to bring you back to the show. With. Wait, no. <laughs> <laughs> 
Because you're so good. I need to have you back. I'm not going to tell you what it is. I'm sorry. Um, where can our audience find out more about you if um, they would like to get in touch? Yeah, absolutely. So um, Table Talk, you can listen to it literally anywhere uh, that you, podcasts are had. Um, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all those random ones that are out there on the internet, we're, we're on it. And on all of our socials, we're on TikTok and Instagram and threads at Table Talk RPG. As for me, myself, you can find me at Alejandra.Wilhelm um, on Instagram. And then my art page is Reina.Creates. Thanks so much for joining us on the show. Thank you for having me. This is great. You've been listening to The Table Business, a Sounds Like Adventure podcast all about people doing great work in the tabletop world. If you'd like to know more about anything we spoke about today, all the links for all the people that we spoke to are available in the show notes. Or head over to soundslike underscore pod on Instagram and we'll definitely be talking about them there. And if you liked what you heard, why not check out Sounds Like Adventure? That's our main show. It's an actual play podcast with fun role play, short run times, and great sound design. But to make sure you don't miss the next episode of The Table Business, make sure you subscribe to or follow the show in your podcast app. And a five-star review really, really helps to get a few more people to see the show. And we hear it sounds like adventure. We would be so grateful if you took the time to do that. All right. With all that in mind, we'll catch you for the next episode of The Table Business.